Welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Ben. And I'm Sarah. Thank you for listening to us today. How are you doing today, Sarah? Uh, you know, heat, warnings, galore, make for a tired, worn down Sarah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I I feel you on that. I've been kind of tired today as well from the heat. But, you know, it's the Calgary Stampede now, so... Right. Uh, lots of cowboys out there. Right. Hunting down vampires. No. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm a little bit tired, but I'm feeling better, feeling kind of on an upswing after feeling a little worn down for a while, so I'm excited for the week. Uh, I am happy to be doing the show with you. Let's uh, Let's get to it. What are we watching today? Today, Sarah, we are watching Circus of Horrors from 1960, directed by Sidney Hayers. Isn't that just the other name for the the Calgary Stampede? (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, We've seen the circus pop up a bunch in some horror movies. Going back to, like, The Unknown in 1927, we've had, you know, Freaks. uh, We had one of the Rue Morgue ones, Murder in the Rue Morgue. Had a circus in it? Yeah, well, I mean, even Caligari. Right. Did you ever go to the circus as a kid? I did once. Uh-huh. And they had real animals. Uh-huh. Uh, but I believe nowadays uh, they're all fake animals. They do like a light show instead. Really? Yeah, I talked about this in the Freaks episode. Did you? Yeah, that I was talked a long like, time ago. Yes, that that is fair. Yeah, no, I talked about like the brief history of, of circuses. Yeah, I went to the circus as a kid It was like they had animals. They had the whole thing. I don't remember it that well. It did not, I guess, stand out in my memory. I do remember going, um, but I don't remember anything specific other than being there. I do prefer petting zoos because you actually get to interact with the animal. Sure, sure. Uh, I know that like kind of the more popular thing, you know, has been circuses that just have like human performers, right? Uh, Yes, of course. Cirque du Soleil. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But Circus of Horrors is the third entry in a trilogy of horror movies produced by Anglo Amalgamated Productions, which were produced in the span of one year that were considered boundary pushing by the standards of the time, uh, starting with Horrors of the Black Museum and continuing with Peeping Tom. Yeah, Horrors of the Black Museum didn't really push the boundaries like you kind of set it up to like it did of the time a bit, but not as much as I anticipated in the UK. Yeah. And then peeping Tom just was like, (laughs) no boundaries at all. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see where circus of horrors lands. The success of horrors of the black museum led to the commissioning of circus of horrors, uh, from writer George Baxt. It was produced by independent artists, which was the production company of Julian Wintle and Leslie Parkin. And George Baxt was born in 1923 in Brooklyn to Russian Jewish immigrants. He moved to Britain in the late 1950s to pursue a career writing film and television. Um, And after writing TV for a few years, Circus of Horrors was his first uh, feature film screenplay. 
His most notable works are the series of five novels he wrote from 1966 to 1995 about the gay black detective Pharaoh Love. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's quite a name. Yes. They were very, like, campy. I think he did three of them in the late 60s and two of them in the 90s. Sure. Um, The first one is called A Queer Kind of Death. Love it. Yeah. Uh, He passed away in 2003 at age 80. Director Sidney Hayes had been a prolific editor in the British film industry before directing his first two features in 1959, a pair of detective thrillers. Hayes would direct a number of thrillers through the early 60s before his career switched to television, lasting until the mid-90s before his death in 2000 at age 78. For the titular circus, the film made use of the real-world Billy Smarts Circus, which was one of the top three UK circuses of the time, renowned for their trained animal acts. For this reason, the character in the movie who runs the circus has the initials BS, so they wouldn't have to, like, repaint or, like, redo any of the signage on, like, the circus itself. Yeah, that makes sense. That character, Dr. Bernard Schuler, is played by Anton Differing, the gay German-Jewish actor who had a long career as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed villain in British cinema, and who we most recently saw in Hammer's The Man Who Could Cheat Death. Yeah, I was like, I thought you've heard that name before. Yes, uh, we talk more about him in that episode, which is episode 285. Donald Pleasance makes his second appearance on the show after his debut in The Flesh and the Fiends, uh, which we covered in episode 287. We quite liked his performance in that film. Mm -hmm. Jane Hilton, we last saw as the fiancé in The Manster. She was 34 years old at the time of shooting this film, and unfortunately she passed away in 1979 at age 52 from a congenital heart defect. Oh dear. Now, Kenneth Griffith has a small role in this film uh, as uh, the character Martin, but he's best known in the United Kingdom as a successful and controversial documentary filmmaker. He was born in Wales in 1921. He was raised by his paternal grandparents to question everything. In 1937, he began his career as a repertory actor, and he made his first film appearance in 1941 and appeared in many films for the next 60 years as an actor. But in 1965, he began creating documentary films for the BBC on subjects as diverse as the Boer War, Churchill and Hitler, Thomas Paine, David Ben-Gurion, Napoleon, Jawaharlal Nehru, Roger Casement, and The Three Wise Men. These films, if you like, try to trace the thread of them, His Boer War documentary was very sympathetic to the Afrikaners. Um, His Thomas Paine documentary, like, I don't think Americans would find it strange that it's um, sympathetic to Thomas Paine, but that would be a more controversial view in the UK. But these kind of, like, sympathies for the underdog, Mm. which in British society usually means sympathies for the bad guy. Yeah, Um, the loser. (laughs) whoever was fighting against the empire. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, These sympathies sort of came to a head with his 1973 film about Irish leader Michael Collins, Mm. uh, which was not permitted to be broadcast until 1993. Yes. And his 1974 film that 
was on the IRA and featured interviews with IRA members was not shown on TV until 1994. Yeah, man. Uh, the troubles. <laughs> Fuck. In response to the censorship, Griffith created the film The Public's Right to Know, uh, and he passed away in 2006 at age 84. Sounds like a very interesting person. Yes. Circus of Horrors was shot by cinematographer Douglas Slocum, who's one of the like greatest British directors of photography of all time. Oh, shit. Uh, he was born in London in 1913. His first career was as a photojournalist covering the outbreak of World War II. He covered anti-Jewish violence, Nazi rallies, and uh, began shooting film for documentarian Herbert Klein. He was in Warsaw when Germany invaded and barely made it out back to Britain alive. From there, he signed up with the Ministry of Information as a cinematographer and then transitioned to feature films after the war. He was acclaimed for his work at Ealing Studios, where his most famous film of that period was probably Kind Hearts and Coronets in 1949, where he developed a bunch of special effects techniques to shoot multiple different Alec Guinnesses talking to each other in the same scenes because he plays every role in that movie except for one, if I remember correctly. Pretty much, yeah. His later work, uh, after Circus of Horrors, includes The Fearless Vampire Killers from Roman Polanski in 1967, The Lion in Winter in 1968, The Italian Job in 1969, Jesus Christ Superstar in 1973, The Great Gatsby 1974, Rollerball in 1975, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981, Never Say Never Again 1983, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in 84, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 89. So... Can you put into context for me why he's on this horror movie? Like, is it just like still fairly early in his feature film career? Not really. No, he's been doing feature films since the late forties. Why he's here now is because he had a contract with Ealing studios where he was well-regarded. Ealing studios has shut down at this time and Mm -hmm. he has yet to kind of find his feet, find his feet as like an independent operator. Okay. Now, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was his final film as a cinematographer uh, because he suffered from a detached retina and unsuccessful laser eye surgery left him nearly blind afterwards and therefore unable to continue his career as a cinematographer. However, uh, he lived for quite a long time afterwards. Uh, He passed away at age 103 in 2016. Holy moly. What a sad end to the career, though. Yeah, um, so, you know, he didn't shoot Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because he was blind, but um, the I, I can't say his name off the top of my head, but Spielberg's cinematographer by then um, tried to, like, intentionally copy Slocum's style just to ensure kind of a continuity of look. Circus of Horror's editor is also well-renowned. It's Reginald Mills, who is best known for his collaboration with the Archers in the post-war period. Uh, He edited films like A Matter of Life and Death, Black Narcissus, The Red Shoes, The Tales of Hoffman, among others. After Circus of Horrors, he continued to work on well-known films like The Concrete Jungle, Ulysses, um, the Zeffirelli version of Romeo and Juliet, Jesus of Nazareth, and many, many more, passing away in 1990. The film features a song called Look for a Star, which was written for this movie and reached number 26 as a single in the United States. Nice. When life doesn't seem worth a living And you don't really care who you are There is someone waiting to guide you Look for the star uh, 
is it something that people would recognize? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you, you can be the judge of that after we watch the movie. Circus of Horrors was released on April 8th, 1960 in the UK, and then was released by AIP in the US in May of that year. Many critics dismissed the movie as unwholesome trash, but the New York Times gave it a good review. Uh, it did warn not to take the kids and Aunt Minnie to the movie, uh, but otherwise called it the crispest, handsomest, and most stylish movie shocker in a long time. Okay. So yeah, don't take your kids because circus is in the title. It's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, well, and also like though there was a pretty big feeling at the time that horror was for kids. Yeah. Like that they were dumb, stupid movies for stupid children. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the review's just saying like this movie's too intense. Much. Yeah, for kids. Okay. Circus of Horrors was released by Anchor Bay Entertainment on DVD, Scream Factory on Blu-ray. You can stream it on Tubi or rent it on iTunes, Google, and YouTube. Okay. Well, folks, if you would like to watch along, you can find a copy to rent on our YouTube playlist, which you can find at ScreamScenePodcast.com. You're going to hear a brief musical interlude, and when we come back, we will discuss Circus of Horrors from 1960, directed by Sidney Hares. See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back to Scream Scene. We just finished watching Circus of Horrors from 1960, directed by Sydney Hayers. Uh, Ben, <laughs> hope you like circuses. Yeah, I'm beginning to think that circuses just aren't a good setting for horror movies. I think they can work, but you have to put the work in. I just, we've seen more bad movies on the list with circuses in them than good ones yeah well because i think and i'm sorry if this seems like i'm throwing shade at these filmmakers mm. i don't want just a filmed circus right can't like you need to put in the work to if it's going to be a horror movie it needs to be atmospheric it needs to be moody there yeah. needs to be plot that makes sense yeah it can't just be like oh look at these horses Ooh. yeah yeah for sure look at this like acrobatic routine look at yeah. these clowns are like these a... clowns like sad whoa yeah it's I, like yeah. on the one hand um it's kind of nice to have some sort of like filmed visual record of what like a classic circus looks like on the other hand like this is a horror movie so like i don't know give me like a weird tim burton circus or some shit like yeah there's nothing well it's not quite that there's nothing new about this movie but this movie's very paint by numbers it's very paint by numbers we have seen many of these elements all together before they might be remixed a little differently um, why don't I tell the folks at home what this movie is about? Yeah, for sure. It's about circuses. Not really. So we begin in 1947 in England, and the plastic surgeon, Dr. Rossiter, is on the run with his two assistants, a brother-sister duo named Martin and Angela. 
Uh, now Angela uh, is completely head over heels in love and will do anything for Rossiter. Martin will do anything for Angela. And the reason that they are on the run is because they did a botched operation on a woman named Evelyn Morley. So they escaped to France. While there, they encounter a run-down circus and a girl named Nicole who has a pretty bad facial scar. They fix the scar and in return get the circus. Um, They get the full ownership, and specifically Rossiter, now going as Dr. Schuller, gets full ownership of the circus when the girl's dad dies by bear, and he does nothing to stop it. So Schuller, he plans to run the circus with performers who need plastic surgery. And the performers will stay quiet about who Schuller is because they'll all be crooks and thieves and sex workers hiding their past. Stop me if you've heard this one before. So you're on the run from the law, right? Yeah. And you've got like very distinctive facial scarring because you're a villain from a movie in the mid 20th century. Okay. And you need to get rid of those scars or else the cops are going to find you, right? Yeah. So enter Dr. Schuler. He's going to fix your face up and you'll look like a different person. Yeah. And be able to elude the police. Yeah. You just have to work at his circus mm-hmm. forever. Forever. You know, don't worry if you're not like a trained acrobat or lion tamer or clown because you will be. Yeah. And then this is your life now. I don't know what anyone is supposed to get out of this arrangement other than the initial plastic surgery. Yeah, that's that's what you got to do, Ben. Mm -hmm. In a weird way, it's like rehabilitation because... You know, these people were all criminals and now they're all like, you know, law abiding circus performers. Ten years later and the circus is doing well. Somehow this crazy scheme of theirs, you know, Schuler pulls it off. Except the star performers all seem to mysteriously die in accidents when they want to leave the circus. Yeah, when you start going like, hey, what if I want there to be more to my life than circus? Ironically, all of these performers are also all romantically involved with Schuler at one point or another. Um, and Schuler has spurned Angela um, to make that clear. Keeps kind of stringing her along a little bit, though, just to keep her useful. Yeah. Now, that young girl that got that facial surgery and led to the circus, her name's Nicole. And she's still here. Uh, she's doing horse acrobatic stuff. And uh, the other top performer I'll mention here is Alyssa, who is an acrobat, and we see was previously a sex worker and murderer. Now, Alyssa wants top billing um, after this latest accident, so she gets that until Melina comes along. She comes to Schuler because she has an acid face. Um, face is just acid, no. Uh, an acid-scarred face, and he's like, this will be perfect. You will be my Helen of Troy. I'll make you that beautiful. Meanwhile, London police inspector Arthur Ames is posing as a crime writer. He's just going around asking questions, and uh, if someone's not super interested in talking to him, he makes out with them until they do. Pretty much. Alyssa tries to use the fact that someone's coming around asking questions about a Dr. Rossiter to blackmail Schuler, and she dies for it. Because what do we always say, Ben? Don't blackmail a murderer because she knows that 
like these people are dying. Yeah, due when to they mysteri- like she she's like I can put two and two together, but she couldn't put two to two together, like in her own death. Yep. Weird. To try to get that Schuler Rossiter connection, uh, Ames arranges for Evelyn Morley, that woman from like ten years ago, to come and sponsor an evening. She does stuff for like mental health benefits, whatever. Um, and her reaction to seeing Schuler basically confirms that um, this is Rossiter. Uh, the, they don't have any evidence, um, but she definitely knows that it's him. There's so many things going on in this movie. Okay, I'm just going to take a quick pause and mention Chekhov's ape. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a man in an ape suit who's, like, angry in his cage, and every so often Schiller will go over and, like, smack him around a little bit. Ape is having a hard time. He goes to smack him around a bit, and Schiller gets his face ripped a bit, so he needs to get some facial surgery. So when he does meet Evelyn... Uh, he does have like a facial bandage, so he thinks he like is not recognized. But you know, just adding that for flavor. The ape also comes in later. Mm-hmm. Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> so you're on like a prestigious medical board. Yeah, you're an expert in the field of plastic surgery. It's sort of up to you whether or not someone like gets to join the club. You know, as one of the top plastic surgeons in the world. Ten years ago, there was this really unorthodox plastic surgeon uh, who had a lot of promise, but then botched a surgery and then like went on the lamb from the law and no one's heard from him since. So there's this circus in town <laughs> and it's run by this guy who calls himself a doctor. And there's this super hot chick who's like the star attraction because she's super hot. And then the doctor who runs the circus is like, actually... I'm a plastic surgeon. See, she had acid's face before, and now she's super hot. Can I be the world's best plastic surgeon now? Right? Totally normal. An absolutely normal normal thing that happens every day. (laughs) A totally reasonable plan. So Ben kind of uh, spilled the beans a little bit because, yeah, Schuler's plan with Melina is that, you know, show her to the world, especially since we are now going back to London and I'll show them all, like, how good I actually am. Uh, he's also sleeping with Melina, mm-hmm. and they plan to get married. It's unclear how Melina feels about this, because sometimes she feels like a femme fatale stringing him along, and sometimes she's, like, into it. I don't know. But basically, to help unveil her to the public, uh, she's going to go be a lion tamer. And Melina's like, Schuler, what the fuck? I don't know how to tame lions. And he's like, no, don't worry. They'll be tranquilized. Except Sheeler is a terrible boss. Mm-hmm. Angela's had enough. Martin's had enough. Especially because Martin's the one who's like actually doing the murdering. Yes. And so they decide, you know what? We're not going to trank these lions. So Melina gets mauled. And in a rage, Sheeler goes and kills Angela and is chasing Martin down. Martin releases that ape and the ape goes and beats up Sheeler. Uh, he manages to escape all right, though. Because everyone gets a go at Schuler. Uh, Inspector Ames gets a go. Like, everyone. The yeah. Random cops. Like, he's running around town. Like, you think, oh, maybe he's like that one sad clown that we get, like, a lot of screen time with for no reason. Is he going to get a go at him? No. But, remember Evelyn? She left the circus because of the lion mauling stuff. 
Um, but she tricks her husband into getting out of the car and then she steals her own car. Cause she's like, I'm going to go get Schuler slash Rossiter. And she runs him down with her car Gatsby style. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Schuler's last words are Melina. Okay. Okay. Uh, so if you can't tell, I'm not super impressed with this movie. <laughs> This, this plan is so fucked up. It makes no sense no. what his plan is. They set up Angela is like so lovesick with this guy. She'll go with anything. But Martin, what like what does Martin get out of any of this? Like, why is no one being like, hey, Schuler, the fuck? And they try to and Schuler's like, no, I'm doing this. And it's like, are you trying to have the charisma of a cult leader that no one will speak against? Yeah, like... It's it's they try to play it like Schuler's super, super charismatic, given that like he's got Angela twist around his finger. The implication with Martin is just that he's like super weak willed and just kind of is easily kowtowed. He's got this, you know, trail of beautiful women that uh, he makes more beautiful and then sleeps around with and then kills. So like the implication is that he's super charismatic. But this is also a guy who will be like, hey, you shit for brains you piece of shit you listen to me you piece of shit go do the thing that i need you to do because otherwise it'll i'll die you piece of shit (laughs) and it's like wait a minute why did you berate me before entrusting me with this yeah there's not enough of his charm shown to make that like honeymoon period of abuse Mm -hmm. make sense yeah because yes that's how like abusive and and uh, cult leaderish kind of people are, but uh, they need to draw you in first. Exactly, that we don't get to see the drawing in. I will say the dude playing Schuler, Anton Differing, I think he was a good cast. Yeah, I think he does well. I think Jane Hilton is good as Angela in her kind of like sad, you know, pathetic like kind of existence. Kenneth Griffith is really good as Martin and this kind of like put upon man who finally like snaps and can't take it anymore so you know decent performances the other things i think this movie has going for it like in its favor as positives sexy babes yeah this movie if you want to see circuses and you want to see provocative costuming see this movie and i think the other thing it has going for it is pretty grisly murders like we have pretty grisly makeup for like people's before faces for one thing which is clearly like a a big draw of the movie like every one of these before faces is a reveal right and then like the actual murders themselves someone gets um basically a a throwing knife thrown through their neck and we see it we actually like they don't see the impact no they do the standard movie thing where like the dude throws the thing and then we cut to the audience going like oh my god and whatever but instead of like cutting back to like an unmarked body on the ground we actually see her like stabbed through the throat with like blood everywhere and stuff and i was like oh man um okay asterisk we never see the actual like thing that has caused the death Mm -hmm. except for Alyssa. uh so she falls her rope breaks and so she falls from a very high height um and we see her fall yeah. Like we see her fall and then we also see her impact on the ground in a close up. Yeah. And it's like pretty like boom, like, you know, it's pretty jarring. And it also catches you off guard because her big trick is, um, oh, I'm going to put this hangman's noose around my neck and like twirl around. around. Yeah. And you're like, girl, you just tried to blackmail a murderer. What are you doing? 
Um, and then she's fine. And you think like, oh, like is Martin standing up for himself? And then no, the rope breaks and she falls. Yeah, which is like a pretty good like bait and switch, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then like with Melina, you get to see like just like these big lion claw marks all tearing through her torso with Schuler slash Rossiter. Like he gets like the claws across the face from the ape and then he gets clawed up some more by the ape. Then he gets beaten up by like three or four different people and then he gets run over by a car. Like they, they show you quite a bit of this like the after effects of the violence on screen with some grisly mm-hmm. gore effects. So I, I liked that. And like the opening bit as well, it's very much like, here's what you've signed up for. Cause first thing you see is a, a woman in black lingerie. This mm-hmm. is uh, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Um, she's reacting to her scarred face. <laughs> Rossiter is driving away and he like runs over a cop mm-hmm. and he ends up going off a cliff and his car lights on fire and uh like explodes he gets out though but he's like super super bloody and covered in like cuts yeah the movie has a pretty like explosive start and then basically the second a circus is involved in the story everything just fucking hits the mud and is stuck there for the rest of the- that's why i'm like is it circuses are circuses the thing that's bad because i just don't see wow. why a circus needed to be involved here no it's so weird when he's like, ah, a circus. The, it perfect, be the, f- the perfect cover, the yeah. perfect front. <laughs> I'm like, perfect front for what? What are you talking about? Yeah. And so in addition to the main stage for the mm-hmm. circus, he also has this like tent of like, uh, I think it's called like the tent of beauty or Temple whatever. Temple of beauty. Temple of beauty. And so that's first where uh, Melina, as Helen of Troy, goes. We also get an Adam and Eve. So we do get to see some Adam, some good muscles. And it's like, is everyone here people he's done, like, the surgeries on? That's what I thought was the implication. So does that extend to, like, the clowns, Mm. to the workers, like, the guys guys who are like, hey, man, the lions are, like, real frizzled today. Right, right, right. Has everyone? Because they're also not allowed to talk about it. Yes, it's like Fight Club. Right. It's it's a really weird plan because, like, I get that, you know, the heat is on and they have to lay low for a bit. Although... The heat is on because you committed murders. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's like nothing about Schuler's decision-making process at any point makes any sense, right? Yeah. Because it's like, okay, so it's actually kind of established that um, Evelyn's... <laughs> like Evelyn <laughs> Evelyn uh, It's kind of established that like Her surgery going wrong is maybe her fault Like she was told like Hey your 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 injuries are too severe Like you need to wait before getting surgery It needs to be like a gradual surgery Over a long period of time She got desperate She went to Rossiter She insisted it all be done at once It botches She kind of goes a little off the deep end With hysteria because of it He drives away But at this point the risk is that like Evelyn's father is very, very rich and is like a medical professional and is going to like influence things to get Rossiter like his license taken away. That's the risk. And Rossiter is driving so crazy that he runs over a cop. So, okay, now you've murdered a cop, a thing that was not really necessary. If your license was going to be taken away, like just move to a different country. Which he does anyway. Which he does anyways. Murders the cop. They go on the run. He's like, I got to change my identity. Dude, you know plastic surgery. Change your face and say I'm Dr. Schuler, and then just be 
a plastic surgeon in another country because there's no like career path that leads circus owner to renown back to renown plastic surgeon. It's weird that Angela and Martin would stick with this plan given that like they haven't committed any crimes. Like again, botching a surgery not a criminal crime. You're not going to go to jail for it. They're I guess accessories because they helped him get out of England, but like that's not so like why did you agree to be part of a circus for 10 years? And then it's like, oh. But I mean, he's maybe this was his calling because it's super successful. Yeah, it's dude. actually, it's a dope circus. Like, <laughs> to be, like, at some point, he should have just abandoned the plastic surgery thing. And because the thing is, is like, why are you still doing the plastic surgery? The yeah. only reason he's still doing it is he seems to have such a passion for the craft that he just has to keep doing it because it's just like the, the business model of this circus is have such a good circus that you make a ton of money. And then over in this other like graph over here that's completely separate from that business model is hire criminals with facial deformities and give them plastic surgery. And that's like you're onboarding to get people to work for your circus. And it's like this is this is wholly because unnecessary. It, I think like in his mind, if the only goal is doing plastic surgery. Mm-hmm then cool, I have a steady stream of patients. Yeah, yeah. But and then, they're not going to talk about me being on the run because of this blackmail of like, hey, you're a criminal. But like, it's all, it doesn't make any sense, no, actually. No. It's like, it's a panicked, I got to come up with something. That he then just keeps doing for 10 years. And also the way that he comes up with it seems very matter of fact. And like, I've thought this through. And it's like, no, you haven't. And the only reason why it's this rushed and awful is because this movie was rushed. Rossiter's whole thing, like clearly what the movie's kind of trying to imply is that he's got such an obsession with being the world's best plastic surgeon that like he's not thinking straight and he's kind of, you know, a little, a bit of a nut job. But the thing is, I'm going to keep doing plastic surgery because it's just what I love doing is the motivation of someone who like wants to do the thing just for the sake of doing the thing, which is the motivation of someone who's like, I like helping people. And it doesn't matter that I don't get recognition or money. Like I can be a successful circus guy, but doing it this way <laughs> means I can still do the plastic surgery I love so much. But that isn't Rossiter. Rossiter's whole thing is he wants everyone to love him and think he's the greatest guy ever. He wants recognition. So... I'm doing secret plastic surgery on the side that no one's allowed to talk about doesn't make sense with the psychology they've given him until it becomes this thing of like, and then I'll, sh I'll reveal myself to the world and they'll, everyone will see. And it's like, how do you, like, how do you think that's going to go? My dude? It, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. The rest of the story with like him being the, you know, self-centered abusive boss whose minions turn against him is very paint by numbers the criminal investigation part of it's very paint by numbers i'm so also, sick like it's it's not even that the inspector's incompetent he's just doing shitty shitty police work oh yeah like you should not be a cop my guy it's really weird the way that everyone in this movie openly says kind of like what they're gonna do and why people shouldn't trust them to each other and then they all just 
do the thing. Do the thing. Like he comes right up to Schuler, who's he suspects of being a homicidal maniac, and he's like, I'm a crime writer, and I'm here to write about your circus. And the angle of my article is that like a lot of people die here all the time. And are you a homicidal maniac? And Schuler's like, I'm for obvious reasons now not going to cooperate with your article so go away please uh, i'm ordering all of my staff not to talk to you when like it would have been a million times smarter to be like hi i'm a journalist i'm here to write an article on your circus and talk to all your people and interview them to get information out of them the angle of my article is that this is the greatest circus on earth and you're the most handsome and amazing and intelligent circus guy i've ever met uh you know let me talk to your people like it gets so weird and like people just announcing like hey person who's blackmailing me i'm gonna blackmail you and it's like why are you telling him yeah the other thing with this movie that makes it challenging Mm-mm. is that there's no mood, no mm-hmm. atmosphere. It's like once, as Ben has been saying, once we get to the circus, it's all circus. Yeah. The atmosphere is circus. It's like, let's watch these performances. Let's like, maybe like have some neat shots. Like it's shot. Well, it's constructed. Well, I don't know if this is a horror movie yeah. because it lacks all of that mood and atmosphere. I'm, I got to say, I'm real sick of Scotland Yard in my horror movies. Yeah. Um, but like thrillers plus cob subject matter plus grisly gore does not necessarily equal horror. Like the horror aspect of this movie is that like every 10 minutes someone dies in a grisly way. But the rest of the movie is a bunch of like overdramatic interpersonal machinations and like circus acts. Yeah. So yeah, I I wasn't sure if this was horror either. I did pick out like a little range for it if we thought it like obviously the movie thinks it's horror. Yeah, and all of the marketing and everything. So that's what made it really hard for me. It's mm. like is this just a poorly done horror movie? But like it, it's it's not concerned with it being a horror movie. No. It really feels like a bunch of people who don't know how to horror <laughs> making a movie like because at the end of the day like you know if you want to stack up evidence that this is just like a thriller with like a lot of grisly gore in it the writer does detective fiction the director did thrillers before this and did thrillers after this mm-hmm. so yeah like i'm i'm kind of inclined towards thriller obviously a lot of the tropes though are horror tropes right like yeah. crazy plastic surgeon stuff you know I also don't know if it's a good filler. <laughs> no, it's just... There's no tension. No, like the stuff that is the best here... It, yeah, there's no tension because there's no dramatic irony. Everyone tells everyone else what their deal and motivation is and then just expect the other characters to not react to that new information. The most tension uh-huh. is around Alyssa's death. Yeah, is she going to get killed here or not? Is Martin going to do it or not? Is uh, the inspector going to have a chance to talk to her before? Will he do anything to save her when this is clearly the moment she's going to die? The answer yeah. is no. Yeah. And that's like maybe a five to ten minute sequence, if that. So out of, uh, what was it, an hour and a half? Yeah. Like I, I'm I'm yeah. not too impressed with this movie, unfortunately. No, it, I think it was well shot. I think some of the performances are good. I think the babes are sexy. I think the gore 
is really well done and pretty like boundary pushing for 1960 but like as a movie it's no good do we rank it or are we thinking no horror I would like to know your range sure. before we make that decision. Because when I was looking at the list, I was like, I don't feel like any of these spots work for me. All over the place I looked and nothing really felt right. So I want to hear your range and we'll go from there. So I was like, not sure if this was horror and I also didn't like it. And so because of that, I looked for like the lowest ranked circus movie <laughs> on the list um, so The Unknown from Todd Browning and Lon Chaney Sr. also is like not quite a horror movie, partially because it was made before the United States figured out what horror movies were. It's one of those like weird, it's like this is basically a thriller, except that like Lon Chaney and Todd Browning make it so weird that it kind of becomes horror because of how macabre it is. We've got The Unknown at 205, and I was like, The Unknown is definitely better than this movie um so i made that my ceiling below the unknown is like monster on the campus and the aztec mummy and the she creature movies that are like pretty bad and i was like you know this might be better than those but then i got to giant from the unknown which is the one where it's the giant spanish conquistador that like is awoken because he was preserved in peat bog or whatever and, I, and like below that is like Man Beast in the Face of Marble. And I was like, okay, this is definitely a better movie than those movies. If we are considering it, like if I'm even looking at it on the list, then we've accepted that it's horror. So just based on like quality as a movie. So my range was 206 to 210. Um, because people will probably call us on this. Mm. Uh, Jungle Woman is probably our lowest circus movie. Oh, I guess, is there still circus stuff in Jungle Woman? Because I know... It's half circus, half her. Captive Wild Woman is the one that's half circus. Oh. Jungle Woman is, she like... Well, what the fuck is Captive Wild oh, Woman? Oh, it's way higher than that because we really like John Carradine in that movie. Captive Wild Woman is up at 165. Okay, okay. That being said, there are 272 movies on the list right now. So even 206 to 210 is kind of like almost middle of the road these days. The She-Creature. Mm-hmm. Is that more or less of a horror movie than Circus of Horrors? She-Creature is the one where he, like, Bridie Murphy's a chick into being, like, a lizard monster from prehistoric Earth with boobs. And a blonde wig. Right. Sarah, sometimes the task that we have set before ourselves yes. is a little ridiculous. I will say that 209, The Invisible Ray, similar idea of like a scientist gone mad and I'm going to use my ray to like melt people and all these things. Uh, I think that's probably better than this like scientist thing. But the craft going into Circus of Horrors is probably better than Invisible Ray. Invisible Ray has Karloff versus Lugosi. In just the 10 minutes. And then Karloff gets got. And the ghosty goes on and he has like a standoff with like some random dude. And like a mom, right? It's like Karloff's mom. I don't remember that. No, I don't okay. think so. <laughs> um, Mrs. Karloff. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. If that I shoot you and... with a laser, then Karloff will never have been born. That doesn't work. My he was career, already born. My career will be successful. 
Okay, do, do we want to say uh, Below the Invisible Ray, Above Giant from the Unknown? Or does it not rank? Uh, what does your heart tell you? The marketing is horror. Mm-hmm. The response to it is all horror. Mm-hmm. That, like, trilogy of sadism or whatever the fuck, like, mm-hmm. that lumps it in as horror. Right. I think it has to rank. Okay. And I think... I think this is where it's going to go. It doesn't feel right, but nothing on the list feels right. <clears throat> because, like... Sorry, I mean, like, nowhere else feels right for this movie. Gotcha, you're not invalidating um, <laughs> the entire list <laughs> no, 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 in no. this moment. I apologize. Um, because, like, even looking above, like, nothing really feels like the right spot. Because this movie does not care for its atmosphere. I want to put this below the invisible ray because the invisible ray had Lagosi with a laser gun. That's fair. Okay. So entering the list at the new number two ten is circus of horrors from 1960 directed by Sydney hairs. I apologize for anyone who is a diehard for circus of horrors. <laughs> um, if you feel like we should reconsider this ranking, please drop us a line on our website, screamscenepodcast.com. You can submit, uh, an appeal through our ask box on Tumblr. You can also email us directly at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com. I really want to know uh, what you think about this ranking. Hmm. Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can help support the show by subscribing to our RSS feed, leaving us a rating or a review, sharing us online, telling a friend about the show, or heading on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons at the $5 and $10 level get access to regular bonus content, but even a $1 a month patron gets thanked on air. We appreciate your support oh so much. So Ben, what are we watching next week? Next week, Sarah, we're heading over to Germany for a movie that I think is going to give you a hard time. Uh, it's Ein Totter Hein im Netz, or Horrors of Spider Island. Oh, God. Spiders. Mutant spiders. Mutant Does that make it better or worse, Ben? Mutant man spiders. Man spiders. And hot babes. Okay, well, the hot babies will maybe help. (laughs) Uh, We will see you then, creatures of the night. Bye. Bye. Bye.